Hello and welcome to my brand new podcast. This is What We Could Have Been. I've had this idea for so long now, so I'm so happy I finally got to make it. You'll be hearing stories of how life can take unexpected twists and turns, but fundamentally how everyone's ended up right where they're supposed to. I'm Chelsea Grimes, a singer-songwriter who's worked with and wrote songs for the likes of Dua Lipa, Kylie Minogue, Kesha, Zara Larson, Jonas Blue and loads more. But what you may not know about me is that I could have had a career in football with Liverpool ladies. I played football for Liverpool from the age of 9 to 16 and went on to play at Everton, Tranmere, Tottenham, Brentwood and now currently on the books at Fulham. At the time when I played, women's football wasn't advised as a full-time career, so it led me down the road to my other passion, which was music, and what a journey I've had already. I've had songs go number one all around the world, and I've been able to travel and write music for a couple of years now, and I still can't believe I've managed to actually live out my dream, currently doing both passions. Over the course of the series, we'll hear from all different people in all different careers, from musicians, footballers, photographers, actresses and loads more to find out what their journey has been like to the top. Lucy Bronze, Mikel Sylvester, Nina Nesbitt, Ryan Babble, Natalie Emmanuel, Cora Delahoyd and loads, loads more. They've all got amazing stories on how serendipity has played its part. And today's guest is no exception. I met her when I got asked to write on the last album after the huge success of the ones that came before. It's Jade Thirlwall. She's one quarter of the biggest girl band in the country, Little Mix, and someone who didn't take no for an answer, knows all about the highs and lows of the music industry, and we took a trip down memory lane to find out what she could have been if she had an audition for The X Factor three times. I hope you enjoy it. Because it kills me every time that I see what we could have been. When was the last time I seen you? When was the last time I seen you? The last time I seen you was in Soho House and I was on a date. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes! We were both on first dates. Oh my god, it was off it was my first date. It was one of them. It was a bit of a rebound one, you know what I mean? Got on the apps and all that. Then she was she was nice enough, bless her. If you're watching, no hard feelings at all. That's <laughs> so funny. I was a bit drunk that night, I think, to be honest. It was like the worst. And then we walked around the corner and then you were there. And I was like, oh, God. And it was the only seat left. So we sat down. But then it was a bit awkward, wasn't it? So uh, I ended up We sat opposite each other on my first date. That's so funny. That was a good date for me, actually. That was a good enough. Did you have a good night, yeah? I did, yeah. It was all right, to be fair. I just got drunk, which I tend to do on first dates anyway, so I can get through it. <laughs> well, that's a good way to start. But um, obviously, this podcast is called what we could have been so we're going to be going in you know those little moments jade where like if little things didn't happen at the right time and all that where would you have been now because you you are in london now over quarantine are you yeah so i'm in my flat in east london with zach who's the little mixed stylist and he's worked with you before and my best friend holly from up north she lives with us as well in london so you're not missing home too much you're happy that you stay down there yeah i think so just because i've got a lot of things to keep us like entertained here and I've been working anyways, to be honest, so I wouldn't have had all the bits that I needed to work if I'd been, like, at my mum's up north, but I am really missing home. And also, oh, yeah. I think, cos, like, up north where I'm from, I live, like, near the beach and that, so I would have been able to walk around and get lovely fresh air on the seafront and everything, whereas here I'm in Canary Wharf, I'm just surrounded by, like, grey buildings and construction work. Yeah. Oh, well, entertainment. Zach seems like he, he could be part of that entertainment. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've been having a right old time out with that. TikTok in the France. Oh, do you know what I mean? TikTok, yeah. I mean, we were going to talk about Chanel. <laughs> do you want to talk? 
I mean, she's a scouser. Should we talk about it? Because you, know you kind of went viral. Is that a stupid question? <laughs> You're a scouser, you must know her, do you? <laughs> Sandra, I don't know Sandra, but I feel like we'd be besties. Oh, bless How her. funny was that, by the way? Honestly, what an icon. What an icon. She's going to be famous you. overnight now. Yeah, you were on this morning, weren't you? They played your TikTok. <laughs> Me mum rang us right after. She's like, Jade, put the telly on. You're on this morning, quick. So I had a look. I was, yeah, I was howling, honestly. So oh. funny. Well, we'll get back to that. But right, let's go. Let's start because I feel like the listeners want to know. Where did it all start for you? I know it's going to be like a super vague question, but what was, what was like your first opportunity in music? Or when did you even believe that this could happen and be a job for you? Well, actually, my first sort of proper paid gig came when I was 15 and I'd just done my first year of X Factor. I auditioned in 2010, I think it was. Yeah, I was 15 years old. And, and I just... What, what even made you do that, though? What, did you watch X Factor before that? Oh, and yeah. you was like, oh, I'll give it a go. Yeah, I was obsessed with the show and it was, like, massive at that time. And I was just, you know, like, come from a small working-class town and I just, yeah, I've always wanted to be a singer, not necessarily famous, or like a big pop star, but I just thought, oh, do you know what? Like, they were doing auditions. I saw Cheryl was a judge, and I thought, oh, do you know, fellow Dory, she might like us. <laughs> so, yeah, I turned up, and I got a boot camp. Um, that was as far as I got that year. And off the back of that, basically, my first job, me and my family went to, and Holly, her family, we went to Turkey, I think, and we're in one of the karaoke bars, and I got up to sing, and then I came up on the telly, on the X Factor, and the mum was like, oh, do you want to sing here? I will pay you. And I was like, absolutely, yes. And that's how uh, oh, my first gig came about. And then I, from the back of that, I got a few gigs like around the northeast, doing like pubs and clubs and working men's clubs and all that malarkey. What was your go-to song? What was like the song in the set that you were like, oh, wait for this one? Oh, I loved a bit of Young Heart to Run Free. That was oh. a bit of me. All my sausages are in the oven, so... <laughs> Would you... Would you be so kind as to give them a little rummage and put them back in for 10 minutes, please? <laughs> Go on, so so you're there, you, you, you're gigging and all that. And did you get confidence from that? Do you reckon you would have done as well the next year on X Factor if, if you didn't have done all that? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I used to do lots of, like, amateur dramatics and all the musicals and choirs and all that stuff. But it wasn't until I actually started doing proper gigs that I, like, gained my craft properly and how to work with an audience. I mean, if you work in an old people's home or work a men's club, you'll then know how to work with an audience because the amount of heckling that goes on and people telling you that you're crap and shut up and will you turn it down and all that. So, yeah, I definitely grew a thicker skin doing all that sort of stuff. And then I auditioned for X Factor again. It was the one day year. And I remember it well because I got through to boot camp again and I didn't get put in the girl group Bellamy. Can you remember Bellamy? I remember them. You know why I know them? I know Sophia now from yeah, Bellamy. Yeah, Sophia. But we, yeah, she's lovely, isn't she? She works in music still now, doesn't she? But we played a charity football match in like, I don't know, it must have been the year after that, like 2000 and. I don't know, 12, 13, and they were on my team and we ended up winning, so shout out to Bellamy. Oh, yeah, well, I remember because I became really good friends with Sophia and we shared a hotel room as well at the time and we're still friends now. And I remember they, they got put together on the show and I was fuming. I was absolutely fuming that I didn't get put in Bellamy. And that was it, I got sent home and then obviously third time lucky, auditioned again in 2011 and that was that. So, th- yeah, so three times. So obviously, you know, 
talking about knockbacks and all that, I'm, I'm trying to talk about the main like serendipity moments here, but did, was your was your gutter? Did you think then, oh, you know what? Maybe this is not ever going to happen for me. Like, be honest with yourself and like to the listeners here. Like, what what is it like? It is awful when you get told no because you do think, oh, is it because I'm not good enough? Like the first time I didn't get through an X Factor, I was only fifteen and I was broken hearted. I didn't really understand shows like that and I was too young and naive to like get it. The second time I wasn't that fussed because I just thought, you know, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But I mean, the amount of no's that I got in general, doing auditions, I did so many auditions as well as that show. And you just get no after no after no. And it's almost like the more you get, the more you sort of grow a thicker skin and the less, not bothered you becoming by it. Well, personally for me, it just sort of spurred us on to keep trying, to be honest. Because I believed in myself and I knew I didn't want to... You know, not, I love my hometown, but I knew I wanted more than that. Like, I didn't want to live in South Shields forever. I wanted to pursue a career that was outside of my hometown and hopefully live in London, which I could never have afforded if I didn't get through on a show like that. Do you know what I mean? So I just kept trying. Did you have Did you have a plan B? Was there something else in the back of your mind? Yeah, so on that final year in 2011, I was actually enrolled to do a fine art degree at uni. Because I did, well, for me, A-levels, I did English literature, media studies, which I actually studied X Factor for my exam, which was very <laughs> strange. And then fine art, which I loved. Like, I love art. I love drawing and painting and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's what I was meant to do. Amazing. Do you think you'll ever go back to that? Like, do you still do it now, actually, like, as a hobby? If you've got time on your hands, you get the pen and paper out? Well, now I've got time. Now we're in lockdown. But before then, just never had time. And I sort of forgot about it which is a shame really because I loved doing it and in the back of my head my plan b was to hopefully go to Edinburgh to their art art college and I wanted to do like set designs for theatres and stuff design them myself and all that kind of thing so that was yeah that was my plan b but other than music I was the type of person that sort of loved doing loads of things so at college I did like my three a levels but I also did like a b tech in pop vocals and then at the same time I do a night course in hair and beauty I'm the type of person that constantly wants to be working and doing stuff and like having me finger on all the pies and I am quite (laughs) (laughs) I am quite good at like just throwing myself into anything I do and trying to like be my best at it but music is like the thing that I'd want to always do. Yeah, and we know, we know, don't we? Like in in music, or in, I don't know, in any career field, whether it's acting or whatever, they do say you know talent or whatever is like ten percent of it. And it sounds like you had the work ethic, you know, because a lot of people might have been, you know, the best singer ever in the world, but then they get one no, and it's not the right time, and and then they do give up. Do you think that you being like you just said that you give you all to every single thing and try and try and keep going back to it and stuff. Do you reckon that that is a part of you that's made you be who you are now? I think so because I think oh, the girls a lot of the time will call me like the, the teacher's pet because like I do just throw myself in everything and I've got to do it the best that I can. Like I never do anything half arsed and I think I get that from my mum. My mum is very much like that. Like she loved to work. And I'm the same, I want to be busy all the time and excelling in whatever I do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being a teacher's pet, to be honest. You know, if you work hard, <laughs> then work hard, working hard pays off, doesn't it? It's done as well in terms of, like, not just being a singer in, in this industry, especially as, like, a girl band. We are a brand at the end of the day, and I've got to, like, be business-minded as well as just getting up on stage and singing. 
Do you think, like, obviously, if someone would have told you when you, like you said, the first time in X Factor about being in a band, how was the transition for you? Because obviously, I'm not sure if you were in a band before, like, or whatever, but obviously, it sounds like you were just doing solos and, and that getting no, getting no, getting no. I mean, I've just started a side project with two friends of mine and I love it. Like, rather than going in the studio now and it, it was always like, what do I want to say? Well, it's so much different, like being with a group of people, right? Like, how do you feel? Do you like it? Do you prefer it? No, I love it. When I first got asked to be in a girl band, I hated the idea because I just pictured like bitchy girls and like pussycat dolls vibing at the time. Like, I wasn't... I mean, I'm not very sexy at all. And that's like, when <laughs> somebody says girl band to us, that's like what I associated it with, like sexy women and like bitchiness within a bunch of girls. So the idea of it, like, wasn't for me. But I wanted to get through so much. I was like, yeah, it's fine. But then once I met, like, Jessie Lee and Perry, I knew it was like a different ball game. And we, from the get-go, the four of us wanted to be a different kind of girl group. So it was all right. But yeah, I love being in a group. It's nice to bounce off each other. It's nice to not have all the pressure on you, especially when you're on stage. Like, if you mess up or if you're feeling a bit crap, whatever, you've got three other people on stage with you to, like, help you out and psych you up. Or if you're having a bad day and you've got a day of interviews and you can't be asked to talk or be the one that, like, has to answer everything. Yeah, it's just nice having that sort of group dynamic. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you think Do you think girl bands get treated different than solo artists? And I, I, I don't know if, how to even answer that, really, but do you feel like... I don't know, because there's more of you, so you get more, like, ag, or do you feel like, I don't know, do you feel like there's more eyes on you constantly? Cause... I honestly think it's, like, harder, more than any artists for, for a girl group, personally, because I feel like from the get-go, especially when we did the show, people don't expect girl bands to do well or want them to do well. You can very easily come across as, like, intimidating or threatening when it's a group of girls... Like, you have to work really hard to get it right and make sure you're likeable. Especially back then, I feel like it's getting better now. But at the time, you know, it was very much like magazine culture and, you know, pitting girls against each other. And it's all about how you look instead of, like, how you sound and how hard you work. So, yeah, I think it is really hard for girl groups. And on top of that, you've got that sort of, for some reason, people say, especially, like, pop girl groups, it's like a guilty pleasure or not credible enough so it's took us literally nearly 10 years in the music industry to sort of push forward and yeah show why we deserve to be here and show that we write music we work hard we're not just like four pretty girls on stage and then within the music industry as well like behind the scenes being taken seriously as like four young women we were only like 18 when we did the show so it took a long time for people to take us seriously listen to what we had to say yeah, it did, it did feel like there was just... I'm not sure when it was, but I remember, obviously, when Shout Out to My Ex come out, that just, like, exploded. But you just were creeping and creeping and creeping, weren't you? But now you just dominate. Now it feels like every song that you've been putting out, especially the past, like, what, three years, has just been, like, hit, 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 hit. And you're just flying. And, you know, there's, there's not... I mean... You think of girl band in the country now, it's just Little Mix, in it? Like, and do you see new girl bands coming through? And are you a bit like, oh, you don't even know what you've got to deal with? Like, for us, like, we want to see more girl groups because it is so hard for them to break through. And, yeah, that's why, like, when we're doing our new TV show, Looking for Groups, like, one of the main things for us is to find another big girl band because it is really hard. And I see up-and-coming girl groups, like, in the industry, and I think, oh, like... I wish I could help you and tell you, like, what, what it takes to do. But I don't know, like, for some reason, 
we just clicked. And I don't know if it was because it was so authentic and you could see that we are actually, like, really good friends. And I think at the early, early stages as well, we were such a hot mess. Like, we weren't threatening at all because we always looked rotten. <laughs> like, we weren't the typical girl band. Like, me and Perry would get papped, like, coming out the hotel in, like, a onesie and Ugg boots looking like absolute tramps. And, like, I feel like people fell in love with that, like, knowing that we were yeah. just, like, four normal lasses who were just lucky enough to get on the show and get put together. No, I feel, yeah, and, and obviously the pressure coming from X Factor as well. It's like, that's a whole other loads of pressure. It's not like you've come through and no one kind of knows you. Like, as soon as, what was that even like? Because I find that super interesting because, you know, with different artists that I write with, it might be like a slow burner or someone might just have a hit and then everyone's on them. But when you're on the biggest TV show week after week after week, do you start seeing, obviously, your followers are growing and then more things going on. Then you Like, what What does that feel like? It, was it fast? Did it feel fast? Yeah, it's just so bizarre because we went from, like, being the bookies' favourite to leave in the first week and not do very well, and then all of a sudden, yeah, we were everywhere. And it's really hard to just do, especially, like, for a normal person. I feel like when you, when you do it, like, well, not the normal way, but, like, when you enter the industry and you gradually become the artist that you are you have that time like adjust more to like everything and how it works behind the scenes and all that but when you literally go from you know living at your mum's house and doing the odd gig here and there and then suddenly being famous and you've got this record contract that you don't know anything about but you sign it anyways and then before you know it you're like in the limelight it's really really hard to adjust to and I feel like for us we were just the beginning of the whole social media thing like Twitter had only just started so that whole idea of like having a like online fan base had just begun and with that came trolling for the first time. Like that didn't really exist when I was a teenager. And then when we got put in the group, that's like when it all started. So yeah, there was a lot to have to deal with in the first few years. What what about so obviously we're talking about like how amazing it all is and stuff like that. What do you think has been the highlight? Whether it is, you know, performing in the biggest crowd or even something just as like actually you're living your dream like that kid that 15 year old in you now if you could see it imagine like what you've done what you've gone on to achieve um what's been the best part of it and also what's been the part where you've actually thought I don't know if I want to do this anymore has there ever been a part a part yeah I think so I think like the best part for me is like when I come home especially like when we perform at the Newcastle Arena because that's where I grew up like and I'd go and watch people perform there and to be, like, on that stage now and have all my family and friends in the audience, like, whenever I do that, that's when I feel the most, like, emotional and, like, yeah, I've, like, I've bloody done You've it, done do you it. know what I mean? You used to sit in that crowd, yeah, and just imagine yourself. It's amazing. That's, like, the most special moments, I think. And then I think the, the downsides are, like, well, yeah, the sort of fame thing. And I feel like I'm cool with it now. Like, I just can laugh it off. But I think for all of it, we went through a phase of finding it really hard to deal with. And just, like, working hard as well. Like, I don't think people realise, like, how much goes into, like, what we do. You know, like, especially when you're touring and you're promoting at the same time, like, you get no sleep. And, you know, I feel like on a on any other job, you can sort of escape it and get home from work. And then, you know, you're in the comfort of your own home and that's it, you can relax. Whereas when you're in this job, it's like, you can't just go to the shops and, like, unfamous yourself. Like, there's no off button, is this? So... Do you do a bit of disguise? Do you ever, like... Throw a pair of glasses on. <laughs> Not really. Do you know what? Like, to be fair, I get the tube all the time and nobody ever recognises us on the tube. It's so strange. Like, I walk the shops and I do. wouldn't expect it. I think I that's guess. what it is. Nobody's, like, looking up. Nobody's bothered. 
So, yeah, I feel like, do I do a discover in a disguise? Only like Halloween, I dressed as Napoleon Dynamite and I got absolutely rotten and I loved it because nobody knew who I was. We need to talk about your parties because I went to your birthday party and, I mean, Jade, if you know, she is the queen of the party. You have the best parties. And I was Kanye West and my girlfriend was Kim and everyone was like, who are you? And I was like, Kanye West, obviously. But um, who was you again? You Diana Ross, were you? I was Diana that year, I think, yeah. Oh, unreal. You are, but what is what is that? How come you like dressing up so much? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what it is? I do feel like I'm kind of like a drag queen. Like, I'm a female woman trapped in a drag queen's body. Because love I just love it. Yeah, I love all of it. And I love dressing up. And, like, for me, like, I'm not the type of person at Halloween that, like, hides on a cat ear. And like calls it, you know, a sexy cat. Like I have to do the whole shebang. I need prosthetics. I need hair makeup. I need the whole thing. I need the outfit to look exactly like the character. Like I go in. So, um, yeah. Just When's the it. next party? Oh, I didn't know. I knew because, like, <laughs> usually I have it like around Christmas time, around my birthday. But I mean, who knows what's gonna happen now? But the minute I'm allowed to, I'll be putting one on. That's for sure. Yes, I can't wait to see that. You are you are the queen, you are the queen. So go going back obviously to like we just said, the the highlight, the low light of everything. We I'm trying to do a hero moment on here. So, you know, obviously people know behind the scenes and your family and your friends. But has there been anyone, especially when I've been speaking to footballers, they've maybe said, you know, the kit man in the back who like balls me in. Is there anyone that you just wanna say like thanks to or someone that you know, we might not know about who's just had your back or a moment that you remember. I mean, obviously, like, your family and friends are there for you. I'm trying to think. Well, like, in the early days, I would say, you'll know Biff, don't you? No, Biff. He's yeah. a lovely man. So Biff's, like, obviously a massive songwriter, was a huge part of the success of the Spice Girls. And I think if it wasn't for him when we first got put together, I don't think we'd be, like, where we are now. He really, like, championed us. Did you go down to his house? Was yes, that where you were writing? His house so in he Brighton. Lives in, yeah, everyone listening. He's got the most amazing house in Brighton. I remember the first time I got asked to write with him and I, you walk in and it's all exciting. Like he's got Spice Girls, plaques all over his wall. And he's like, oh yeah, when we wrote, you know. But he just lists them off and you're just like, what? He's got so many stories to tell. and he, But he is the sweetest man, isn't he? He's so lovely. And uh, like in the early days, we were so terrified of everything. <laughs> Like, and Biff was, like, one of those people that really championed and made sure that we got to where we are. Because I think not many people, you know, had a lot of faith in me at the start and didn't think we'd do that well. Whereas Biff was like, no, like, they're going to do it and I'm going to be here for them. And the minute we came off the show, he invited us to his house to write with him while they were there for, like, a couple of weeks. And it was just so exciting for us to, to be around him and learn from him. Because, obviously, like, he, yeah, he was part of the reason why the Spice Girls were so huge. So, yeah, really exciting for us. So I'd definitely name him as one of the, like, yeah, people that I'll always be grateful to. Oh, I'll have to drop him a text and tell him he's made the pod. Talking about studio, Jade, obviously, I think the first time we ever wrote, you really, like, you come in and you had your notebook and your pen. And I was really shocked because, obviously, before you work or write with artists, you never know what you're going to get. Someone could come in and just hate every idea. Someone could come in and not want to write a thing. And you come in and you were just like, and you really enjoy writing, which is something that maybe people don't know. What What is it about the being in the studio and, and writing that you enjoy most? Oh, I don't know. I just love it. I love, yeah, the sort of being creative, working with other people. I love working with new people. I still got that song that we wrote that first day as well that I love. 
we need to do some I swear you are little mix are the I think one of the only people that I have wrote with and I haven't had a song out with them not on an album or nothing so I need to do one I'm like come on we need to make it happen. Um, that was a good day, actually. But yeah, I'm, I'm a bit old school. Like, I'm a proper nana, like, with technology and stuff. So when I'm in a studio, I have to have, like, pen and paper and write my ideas down. Um, Share a Google note. <laughs> You're like, what? I'm like, what's that, hun? <laughs> no, no, for me. I am getting better, like, but... Because I've had to, like, now I need to try, like, learning, understanding logic and stuff more. But for me, that's, like, my least favourite thing to do in the world is anything to do with computers which isn't bearing well for me, like, being stuck at home now because it's the only thing I can use to, like, communicate with people. I think I just love that you can experience things in life and then literally, like, it's like therapy, isn't it? You put pen to paper, you write a song about it, and then the best feeling in the world, is you'll know, is when you get a cut on a song and you listen to that song and it's out there for the world to hear and you're like, yeah, I was a part of that. Yeah, and people connect with it. You know, I was was talking to Dua yesterday about... One song we had, Kiss and Makeup, and I remember writing that with her because I'd just had murder with me bird, and she'd just had murder with a fella, and we just wrote this song just about, like, you know, oh, all right, you know what, let's just kiss and make up and just forget about it, and then it ended up being, like, the first bilingual song at Coachella or something, and I was like, babe, how does that happen, me and you just nagging about our I love it, <laughs> our that's partners. what I love about it, like, you can be sitting in that room... Just like, yeah, having a moan or having a rant about something going on in your life. And then cut the light a year later and there's like thousands of people singing it in, a, in an arena. And it's like, to me, that still like blows my mind. And I always did writing like before the group. I mean, I was probably quite shit at it before. Like when I listen back to some of my first songs I ever wrote, I literally cringe at me mum. Like, it'll send us one now and again. She'll be like, oh, isn't this lovely, dear? And I'm like, absolutely <laughs> I not. I sound like a chipmunk <laughs> when I listen back. I'm like, hello. But what can you remember like one of the first songs you wrote? Yeah, there was a song called... Oh, what was it called? It was something so generic and crap. About, like, <laughs> about like walking around in South Shields in the town centre, feeling really sorry for myself. I need to find oh. it. Do you know what? I'll send you it, because it's an absolute scream, to be Please, fair. Though. It's so bad. And then, do you know what, as well? I'll never forget, when I did GCSE Music, I stole a song from Dreamgirls and pretended it was my <laughs> song, and I got an A for it. And no. to, this, to this day, they didn't know that I did that. Oh my god! I I sang him for my for my performance. I remember, <laughs> and I know that he knows I'm more faithful. Oh, cringe! And I sound about four. It's awful. I don't know how I even carried on. But yeah, obviously writing. Like I said, that's when we kind of connected more so because you were just. I thought you're just the nicest person ever. For one, two, you know, like I said, when you work with some artists and they're just like. If I'm not saying it, then I don't want to say it. I'm like, oh. And you were just so open and, and collaborative. Are you excited to start the next record? Yeah, we've already had a bit of a head start. Like, we've written quite a bit, actually. Like, from last year, you know, Camille Purcell. I do. Superstar. Amazing. She's, like, our fifth member. And, like, part of the reason why we're as big as we are now, like, she wrote Black Magic, Shout Out. Like, huge, huge songs. So whenever we have she a done, new like, record... She done, like, a collab with you guys on the last album too, didn't she? I thought that was amazing. That was that was so cool um, to see a songwriter like that. I feel like it's important for us to, like, not just have, like, massive artists to collab with and stuff, especially with Camille. Like, she's a huge part of our success and she came to us with the song more than words and the song's basically about, like, her relationship with us and how we've changed each other's lives through music. So we were like, well... 
if it's about us as a relationship, then you should be on it. Do you know what I mean? So that's how that came about. But yeah, I love Camille. So we did like a writing camp with her last year where we just, what we do with Camille is we'll write like a verse and a chorus and we'll just bash out like five or six songs in a day. And then the next day we'll listen to them back and any that sort of stick out will then finish. Which is a good way for us, like especially when we're working together as a group to work, because obviously sometimes when there's, there's a, lot a lot of people of in the room, yeah, you can get easily distracted or the chances are like some people don't like for certain ideas and stuff. So when you're in a group dynamic, it's good to just be like, right, first chorus, boom, next song, first chorus, boom. And then, yeah, come back to it and on a fresher year and be like, OK, this one's going to work. So that's kind of how Breakup Song happened. So, yeah, what were we talking about? I forgot what you asked me. I can't remember either. I was just looking at your hair, thinking your hair looks amazing. What have you been doing, by the way? Get, have you been getting ready every day? Or have you just been, like, not really doing makeup and stuff? Well, I've bloody had to for work, because, like, I'm still, like, in the midst of doing promo for the new single. So the label and management are like, OK, tomorrow you've got this and this and this. I'm like, for God's sakes, I just want to look rotten for one day. <laughs> So I'm having to Talking put a face about labels, on. actually, you did just move record labels, didn't you? I don't know if we want to go into that. I'm just saying. I know that there was a in the music industry that was like a massive thing because obviously when you from X Factor you signed to Psycho, which is Simon Carl's label, but then you ended up at RCA now, which is my old record label. So yeah, small world. The music it keeps is. spinning. It's very strange, it isn't spinning. it? I feel like for us, like we'd been with one label for the whole time of our career, so it was really like weird and unsettling for us to like move to another label and move like in the middle of like dropping a brand new album but also for the listeners it's in the same building so yeah awkward <laughs> it is because you know especially when you sign in a record deal or maybe the way it'll work is like you go in and you meet people so it's like universal or sony and you go in and each floor's got like a different record label on and then you know you might go into someone and they're like oh yeah we really want to sign you and then you'll be like okay see you later and then you just have to sneak like you're going somewhere else but go into the next room and then you end up seeing them in like the canteen or something and you're like hi do you know what it though is a bit. like our, our actual team at Cycle that we work with was so amazing and so lovely like it was nothing to do with them so when we did do the crossover and like if we walk past them in Sony or whatever, like, it was all right, it wasn't too awkward. But, yeah, that was a very strange time in our careers. But, you know, we're here now and we're stronger for Yeah, it. exactly. Stronger than ever, stronger than ever. I actually went to the last tour as well. I know that you said one of your best things is, obviously, touring and stuff like that. What What is it like, obviously, because you just said then, you were, you know, you used to do gigs in old people's homes. Now, I, like I said, I went to the last one and, you know, you're floating on a platform and I'm just like give you <laughs> like it's just crazy like you know the production like do you have to pinch yourself like to just I'm actually like you Beyonce's all yours <laughs> stop I wouldn't go on that far I bloody wish but yeah it's, it's just it's absolutely mental like it still doesn't feel real to me especially when like we'll be rehearsing for tour and then you do like production rehearsals where you see like the set for the first time and everything you've designed together with like production and stuff and every time I'm just like, how is this my job? I cry every time. When we first see like the the stage and stuff for the next tour, I'll always get emotional. Or I'll go to my hotel room that night and sit by myself and think, is this a fluke? Like, how did I manage to do this? Like, I, honestly, like, I know it is obviously hard work and that, but I do think, you know, some things are just meant to be, aren't they? Like, you know, right place, right time, whatever. And I'm always so grateful and, like, feel really lucky that I've just managed to be where I am because yeah it is it is insane and 
just the whole thing, like when you're on tour and you go and catering and there's like 50 crew, uh, crew guys sitting having their like dinner and I'm thinking, these people all work for me. Yeah. Like, it's mental. Is there anything that you've you've said you wanted on, on tour or on a set, which is just absolutely ridiculous? Like, I don't know, like a dinosaur flying with his do you know what? A as long as there's You've um, had a waterfall. No, I'm not that demanding. As long as there's like a bottle of Malibu in the fridge, that's <laughs> that's probably it. To be honest, Yorkshire that's your drink. Yorkshire yeah, tea. Malibu. Yeah, I have to have Yorkshire tea. If it's any oh, of that yeah. tea, I'm fuming. That's my only deal. Do you have drop. a drink before you you get on? Not with our choreo. Are you mad? I couldn't possibly. <laughs> Can you imagine? Do you know what no. it is? Like, my ex-boyfriend, he was in, like, a rock band. And when I'd go on the road with him, they'd be, like, down and Jack Daniels and doing whatever they had to do before getting on stage. And I'd be watching, like, in awe. <laughs> but, yeah, not for me. I'd love to. But I do, like, a good night out when we've got a day off the next day, to be fair. Yeah. I'm feeling a little bit a little bit muggy today. I had a few, a few drinks last night. Oh. What's your tip? It's, it's one of them. Honestly, yesterday, only because I've seen Dua, we just had a bottle of champagne because we celebrated the, the album. So, But then I got another one and then I moved on to like Rosé and yeah, anyway, so. Love it. Trying to be good today, trying to be good. But um, you just mentioned it, we're going to come to the end in a minute, but you did just mention that you were saying, you know, right place, right time. I know it's easy when you're flying and stuff like that, but you know, like you just said, maybe you've gone through a breakup or, you know, something just doesn't happen. You've got to, it's kind of like that reverse psychology where you've got to keep reminding yourself, okay, well, that happened for me. I'm in the band and I'm flat. But when things don't go to plan, is it hard for you sometimes to, to remember that things do happen? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely been like a few points in our careers where it hasn't been plain sailing. And even now, like, sometimes there's things that are, like, a bit apple to swallow. Like, for instance, like, America. Like, we've done so much of the hard work over there. We've been back and forwards time and time again, been there for months at a time, doing the rounds, doing all the radios. And for some reason, like, I don't know what it is. We've got the fan base, but it just doesn't click. And for us, that's, like, a really bit apple to swallow that we're not, like, humongous over there because in the beginning we sort of were very close to it I think like when we did yeah. DNA album and salute because we were there so much you could see the momentum happening and then we got flown back and then it was like you've got to be there to be big there I mean you'll know what like Dua like she's humongous there now and she's done that whole round of being there and I think you need that sort of one hit and I yeah. don't know what it is that makes it connect with American radio but you need that one song that just sort of explodes and I think until and you people, get that, it's not going to happen. Like People also, I think, you know, for the average Joe, you know, they don't realise that, you know, they think you make a song, you put it out and you become famous overnight. Like, that's still the logic. And I have to, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'll be in a bar and I try to explain. I don't know why I do, because they don't really care. But it's just like, there's so much that goes on that people don't understand. There's your press, you've got a radio plugger. If that radio plugger doesn't get your song on that specific station, that's like, there's so much that goes into it. And I think that's what we were talking about, that serendipity moment where you know, maybe it's not the right song has hit there yet, or I don't know, is it, you can't blame people. No, but, you know, and it's a lot of politics thinking. as well, I think. There's so much politics involved as well in the music industry. You know, sometimes it isn't down to you if something does well or not, and you have to just sort of accept that. And then I think for a long time, like with, with situations like that, we'll sit and mourn each other and be like, why isn't this happening? And then you have to sort of take a seat back. And, like, and usually it's when I go up north and sit with my mum and my family, and I think, do you know what, hun? Yeah. Shut up, because 
like you could have a very different life to what you live in now like you're very successful like you can support and provide for your family and friends like shut the fuck up and just get on with it like you're doing all right hun <laughs> all right what's next what's next for you is after all this is and obviously you're gonna have another party and we're gonna have a bevy and we're gonna have a good time with you zach listening in the background <laughs> absolutely we're doing a night out Chelsea, aren't we we are we are but what what is next for you what what are you looking forward to it's also up in the air at the minute, isn't it? Like, we just had to cancel the summer tour. And it's not yeah. like we can put that on in the winter, everyone freezing their tits off outside. So <laughs> we're going to have to rethink that. But, yeah, we've got, like, the TV show coming up, which is really exciting, The Search, where we're basically... When is that out? Well, it was meant to be out pretty soon, but obviously with everything happening, it had to be postponed because it's meant to be, like, live shows and stuff. Got it. So we're in the process of, like, editing it at the minute. We watched one of the edits last night, didn't we, Zach? Yeah, and it was so good. It's so it exciting. You've got your own show. I know, that's hell? another mental thing where we're, like, looking for six different groups. So we've got that coming. Do you see yourself in all of them as well, obviously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just like, oh, my God, I've been there. Yeah, all of would do, I think... Especially you fall in love with certain contestants as well that are very similar to you, that you can relate to. It's so lovely, though, being able to give people that opportunity and put them on a show where, like, you know they're going to be looked after properly and, like, we're going to take care of them and help them as much as we can. Like, it is really... It is amazing. Yeah, a question for you as well. If you've got two people there, exactly the same amount of talent, both really great singers, both look the same, but, you know... okay, wait there, actually, let me rephrase. One's more talented than the other maybe a better singer or whatever but the other one's got a better attitude and work ethic which one would you go for attitude there and honestly any day of the week for me because I, to me it doesn't matter how talented you are if you don't have the right attitude and you're not willing to work hard for it like it's a no for me like I can't bear when people are so talented but they just expect everything to come to them because they've got the voice do you know what I mean because there's yeah. people out there that are great singers and maybe not like your Mariah Carey's or whatever but they've got that drive in them. And to me, they deserve that opportunity more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And you get, we've got a lot of that on the show. And I, I fall in love with people as well. Like, for there's one girl at the auditions you'll see on the show. She's a scouser. And hey. she's so, like, for me, like, I love scouse people and I love Northerners and all that. And when someone's, like, relatable to me, I instantly like them and I want to see them do well. And there's a girl on there who, like... She's your typical, like, does all her hair and makeup and she looks fabulous. But you can see she's just a really nice down-to-earth girl who really wants it. And I'll take her over, you know, someone who sounds like Christina Aguilera, but attitude stinks, like, any day of the week. So, yeah. Not, not about that life. No, thank you. All right, then. Well, I feel like we've asked everything. That was a good little chat. I feel like I, I, I know a lot more about you now. Oh, I've had a ball, so to be honest. And I hope I see you on another date sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was hoping they work out next time. Time and a place, mate. Time and a place. What an absolute legend, Jesus. Um, it was so lovely to catch up. And, you know, it's also, it's amazing to hear how her knockbacks actually set her up and made her grow a thicker skin to be able to handle what come and what came with fame. Um, You know, talented, talented lady, but also an even nicer person. And it also goes to show that what we spoke about, you know, um, hard work and having the right attitude can get you a lot further than talent alone. 
Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode one of What We Could Have Been. Thank you so much for joining me at the start of this journey. We've got so many more great guests for you every single week. So if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the series and please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. What We Could Have Been is a fresh air production. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. What we could have been.